pressure mounts for a complete federal environmental assessment of the controversial Port-a-Port Wind Energy Project. This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is episode 254, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. On both sides of the Gulf of St. Lawrence, Citizen groups are trying to have a say about giant wind energy projects in which hydrogen is turned into ammonia for shipment to Europe. Later in the program, we'll hear from the marine researcher for the Guysborough County Inshore Fishermen's Association about what's at stake for the lucrative fishing industry that bankrolls the local economy. Provincial governments seem to be competing with each other to be the most industry-friendly. According to current plans, neither Nova Scotia nor Newfoundland will assess the total impact of these large-scale projects using untested technology. That's why the Environmental Transparency Committee on the Port-au-Port Peninsula is calling on Ottawa to step in and order a more complete federal environmental assessment that looks at all aspects of the project and provides funding for community groups to participate. That demand made the news last week, sparking reporter questions to Energy Minister Andrew Parsons for comment. Parsons says he's okay with environmental assessment, but time is of the essence. We asked Duran Felix of the ETC why the group feels it's so important to get a federal environmental assessment. Uh, The request was made uh, partially because of the fact that when the project was moved from the ocean, which would have fallen under federal jurisdiction, and to the province, it put the project under provincial regulations. And as we all know, at the time, the province had little to no existing regulations with regards to wind energy, and threw something together in a few months. Uh, That raised a lot of red flags. Uh, Yes, people were able to uh, submit their concerns, which were taken into consideration, but the timeline Uh, was extremely restrictive. And given the scope of the project and the areas it will affect, such as the, it'll be encroaching on the protected areas of the peninsula, which have rare plants found nowhere else in the world. We also have migratory birds that fly through the area, uh, a huge colony of uh, cormorants, which are a protected species. And all of these fall under federal jurisdictions. Have you had any word from the minister's office about your request for a federal assessment? We received a response a couple of days ago from the Atlantic Region Impact Assessment Agency of Canada. And they essentially sent a generic letter, uh, which is a direct copy and paste from the Government of Canada webpage. And... Uh, it's essentially, if you, if you read the page, it just says that they're going to look, you know, essentially look into it, but no decision has, will be given from what appears for some time. Now, when the original, uh, letter that was sent in, uh, requesting the, um, federal involvement in the assessment, 
uh, everything was highlighted within that document uh, detailing what areas of concern uh, fell under the various sections of federal policy. Uh, but according to the Atlantic region, it seems that they will be doing their own total reassessment of it. And there's been no real proposed timeline on that. So mm -hmm. what's concerning is that if it gets dragged out long enough, well, then uh, the project could be too far underway for a federal assessment to be viable. Mm, yes. Uh, I see there was some... Um... There was some coverage of your request in the media. There was a, a story uh, in Saltwire. Uh, CBC picked it up. The provincial minister was asked about your request uh, during his trip to Rotterdam for the uh, that uh, industry event on um, on wind energy. So uh, there's been some there's been some uh, attention to it. Uh, what else can you do to put pressure on the on the minister, on the federal minister? Well, luckily, uh, during a um, the conference that was held in Wesleyville, uh, we met up with many, a lot of groups, and we've had uh, supporting letters of uh, well, letters of support sent in by groups such as the Council of Canadians the Newfoundland Chapter Council Canadians, uh, Nature Newfoundland, um, EnviroWatch Newfoundland, uh, Clean Newfoundland, just to mention a few. And so we've been getting the word out there. Um, we're getting a lot more support. There are more letters that are, are going in. And we hope that this will encourage the government to take a closer look at this and that it's not just a localized concern it's actually more provincial-wide than people are being led to believe. This conference in Wesleyville, I understand, was a conference of the Newfoundland and, and Labrador Environmental Network. And um, uh, I understand uh, that when you went there, there wasn't a lot of understanding of these environmentalists from across the province about the scope and the possible impact of the port-to-port -port, um, uh, wind energy project. Yes, you're correct. Um, a lot, I would say a majority of attendees were shocked and rather dismayed at the scope and the uh, lack of information that was available with regards to the project, other than what's being made available through the company propaganda machine. Mm. Um, so this gave the community, uh, members of the ETC, to represent the port of port area, the peninsula specifically, uh, to bring forth all the concerns and to bring light onto everything that was going on. Uh, this enabled other groups to conduct their own research and verify, you know, verification of what we were putting forth, uh, which resulted in their uh, deciding to support our endeavor to have a federal assessment done to ensure that everything uh, was done to protect the land the environment and the people on such a mega project. And the most concerning factor, I would say, is the constant term being used by the proponent and government, the necessity to get this off the ground as quickly as possible. Regarding the federal uh, assessment you've asked for, any word from World Energy GH2 on your request? No, there's been no comment from World Energy GH2 uh, with re regards to that. Uh, the only interactions we've had with World Energy GH2 
uh, was the most recent uh, community information session that was held on the 26th of April at the Ship Cove, uh, Abraham's Cove Community Hall. And what happened there? What happened there, in my opinion, was a complete fiasco. Um, luckily, uh, our members were able to uh, get Mr. Lee to agree to an open dialogue of questions. And, and that's, the, have... that's the World Energy GH2 representative, Mr. Leith. Yes, uh, I had asked Mr. Leith uh, a question. It was in reference to a uh, community uh, event that was held on the 6th of September, 2022 at, at the Cape St. George. And during that time, I was talking to one of the uh, the liaison for the for the area, and I had asked uh, why the project had been moved from the ocean to land, and at which time I was informed that um, it was due to the fact that was in the ocean would fall under federal regulations, and being on land, it would fall under provincial regulations. So I reiterated this to Mr. Lee, and he confirmed that that was correct. And he went on to further state that um, under federal regulation, it would have taken years mm. to, to move forward. And that, well, obviously, uh, you know, moving to land made more sense as it would fall under provincial jurisdiction, at which time we pointed out that, well, I pointed out that, well, the province didn't have any real regulation in place. And their backstop on that was their argument being that, oh, well, no, they didn't move because of that. They moved because there was a slight difference of wind speed between the ocean and on land, mm. which, you know, uh, uh, raised a lot of eyebrows uh, considering the previous statements that were given. And so that was... Uh, uh, a further eye opener for people that were in attendance. And, and I have to point out, uh, there was a lot of people that attended that um, community session. It was very surprising to see how many people showed up. And a lot of residents that had never attended any of these were there and visibly upset with the political style answers that were given to various questions. Uh, for example, um, you know, when they had their chemical expert up speaking, uh, people asked about, okay, well, what will happen if an ammonia spill should occur? Something significant like a, a tanker should go down. And the response was, uh, well, we'll just spray water onto it, you know, a mist to minimize it. And in other cases, we'll just throw baking soda on it. Well, that seems to kind of be kind of a small approach if you were to consider, you know, a, a tanker or something, yes. you know, going down and they further went on to mention that you know the ocean water would essentially neutralize the effects of the ammonia and fish would be minimally impacted um that raised a lot of eyebrows especially for the local fishermen yes. uh, when you consider that there are numerous documents and reports out there that suggest that should a significant uh, ammonia spill occur especially um with in reference to uh, uh, hydrogen ammonia, it could neutralize up to cubic miles of ocean. Mm. So a lot of people felt that this was being downplayed and people felt like they were being talked down to. Mm. And so that didn't help the situation any. 
Mm-hmm. At one point, we had the water expert that got up there and talked about, you know, try to address people's concerns with regards to water quality, effects on the water table and whatnot. And upon discovering that he could not provide a suitable answer that satisfied everyone, blurted out, you know, uh, essentially, you know, what are you so worried about your water quality for when moose are crapping up in your streams? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of deflectionary and non-answers and a lot of a lot of the people in attendance really got to see firsthand what's really going on mm-hmm. and unfortunately a lot of this remains behind the scenes um because we feel that we're being kept behind like this uh, you know use it use an old adage here the new iron curtain and Everything that's with uh, concerns the residents is being kept behind this information slant uh, promotional wall that the company has set up. Mm. You know, they promote out there that everything is fine, everything is great, when an actuality is not. And I guess that points to the need for the for a federal environmental assessment to uh, to be able to have people who aren't tied to the industry, people who can be engaged by the community. Yes, yes, uh, there's a huge need for impartiality. And, and like, you know, through experiences that there's no company out there is going to hire a, another company to do work for them and not give them the results they expect. We'll be waiting to see what the minister says about the federal environmental assessment. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll be waiting to see. We have our fingers crossed. Um, you know, hopefully it, it does. Uh, you know, they, they do decide to get involved um, because... Part of the project does involve navigate, navigable uh, waterways, such as Port Harmon and Stephenville, uh, where their company's expert announced that they would be dredging the port, uh, which was formerly home to a pulp and paper mill. Mm. And according to locals and former workers there, there's a lot of contamination mm. within a sediment in that harbor. And the company expert pointed out that they would be dredging the basin, and then loading the material onto barges and then taking it out into the bay and dumping it, which would be in the prime fishing and lobster grounds. Mm. So, you know, that that's another huge concern, you know, with the possibility of additional contamination and the affecting the livelihood of local fishermen. Duran Felix of the Environmental Transparency Committee on the Port-a-Port Peninsula. One of the groups supporting the call for a federal environmental assessment is EnviroWatch NL, of which Mi'kmaq Matters is a member. Meanwhile, in Nova Scotia, two projects have been approved. Hydrogen will be turned into ammonia and loaded on ships that will join the traffic jam in the narrow Strait of Canso, separating Cape Breton and mainland Nova Scotia heading down to Shedabacto Bay and across the Atlantic. The area has already been the site of marine accidents, and an ammonia leak could be catastrophic to the fishing industry that sustains the entire economy of Guysborough and Richmond counties. The Guysborough County Inshore Fishermen's Association raised its concerns, but the projects have been approved anyway. We spoke with the association's marine researcher, Melinda Cole. So our fishing association has um, members from uh, all of Guysborough County and some in Richmond County. Um, We have fishermen that fish um, here in the bay as well as outside the bay. 
Um, even fishermen who live in Cape Breton come down into Shedabucto Bay to fish different species during uh, different times of the year. So we have fishermen that have that hold commercial licenses in lobster, crab, shrimp, mackerel, tuna, um, several other species. So it's it's a pretty busy um, fishing um, area and uh, different times of the year it's fished for different species. But no matter what time of the year, there's always fishermen out working on the water. Right. So lots of people on lots of money, lots of money associated with um with fisheries in that area. So it's not, uh, it's not a small thing economically. No, it holds up our whole economy. Yeah. It's, Mm. it's the health of the ocean here is everything to us. Mm. And what, uh, what are, what are your members fishing right now at this time? Um, Right now it's lobster season. Um, So crab season opened a month ago and um, now it's, it's lobster season. Uh, until June 30th. Hmm. Now, uh, you had limited time to respond to the Bearhead uh, project, 30 days, uh, and you had to comb through a complex uh, uh, 500-page-plus document and uh, figure out a position to uh, take on what was being proposed. And you raised you raised various concerns. Um, uh just going back to the shipping, I guess uh, one concern is an accident uh, with uh, a shipping accident. Um, and there have been, uh, it wouldn't be the first accident in the cancel area. It's a relatively narrow body of water. Lots can go wrong. So I guess that that is that is one concern. Yes. Um, so we, we had a, a massive oil spill in the 70s and the remnants of, of such is still... Uh, visible today. Um, We have really, really strong winds uh, here, uh, northwest wind, but it's not unusual to have a hundred, for it to blow a hundred kilometers an hour here many, many, many days of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's really concerning. Um, So weather conditions are, are reduced visibility many days of the year on the water. So the fog, uh, the wind, uh, extra marine traffic. Um, we're already this this waterway is already um, very um, heavy with petroleum products. We have large amount of oil tankers uh, coming in and out of the of the strait. So it, it's quite concerning um, the extra marine traffic. Um, it it's not only poses a safety risk, but it also poses a risk to marine mammals. Um, we have a large variety of marine mammals that come in and out of Shedabucto Bay. Um, Department of Fisheries Oceans have an acoustic device set in the bay on the on the ocean floor, and it picks up um, any marine mammal uh, sounds, so any whale calls. Um, that device has been there since 2018, I believe, and it's picked up um, blue whales, say whales, fin whales, humpback whales. Um, even today, I saw a dolphin on the wow. water. So, um, so your your concern is collisions, uh, 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 yeah. vessels actually uh, running into and injuring or killing mammals. Yes, yeah. Vessel strikes are a number one killer of uh, marine mammals. So we're trying to protect the whales. Um, I'm not sure more marine traffic is the answer. 
Mm. Now, um, and let's look at the uh, production uh, process and the and the site uh, specifically. Of course, we're dealing with ammonia. We're not um, exporting hydrogen. The hydrogen has to be turned into ammonia for shipment. And uh, ammonia, of course, is uh, we're dealing with a very serious um, compound there. Um, and uh, one of the issues you raised in um, in your submissions uh, on the environmental assessment was a leak of ammonia. And um, tell us about the concerns you raised in that regard. Um, well, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert, so I, I had to do my research and the 30 day timeline uh, didn't allow me to do uh, really in-depth uh, research, but I did find some really concerning videos on YouTube of, of pneumonia leaks that have happened here in Canada and in the US over the past decade. And um, it's, it's pretty scary. Um, a cloud, a, like a fog-like cloud will just engulf a whole area and um, it, it really looks like fog. So that's a concerning um, factor for our fishermen who are working on the water. Um, the, the ammonia will sit on top of the water and with the proper communication, um, fishermen would just enter a contaminated area and not know. We would just think it's a foggy day. Mm. And of course, um, I guess we don't know whenever you have a, a large industrial facility, there's um, the possibility of, um, of just effluent. I mean, small amounts. Um, I suppose that's always a concern when you have a project on this scale. Yeah, um, so any any leaks that, that are going into the ocean or effluent, which which I'm assuming would be a lot of a large volume of fresh water would be going into the ocean. Um, so that decreases the salinity of the surrounding environment. Um, that really affects lobsters. It, aff it affects fish. Um, some some fish, they their gills absorb more contaminants in lower salinity environments. So a lot of fresh water being pumped into one area um, could have compounding um, impacts. Another issue you raised was the impact of sound. Sounds produced by um, by the shipping, all this shipping on on uh, various uh, species of fish. Uh, tell us about uh, that issue. Yeah, um, so crustaceans, they find their food through smell, but also um, a lot of their uh, life cycle and their mating behavior is connected uh, through hearing. So they're hearing the clicking of other lobsters or the clicking of other crabs. And so that's how they find food or that's how they find their mate. Um, so in a noisy environment, their behavior may be affected um, as well as um, ma marine mammals are known to uh, not make any calls in environments where it's allowed, where it's loud. I mean, why? Why talk when nobody can hear you, right? Mm. So just because we're not hearing the whales doesn't mean they're not there. Yes. So there's a lot going on. Uh, there's the shipping and, uh, of course, the wind turbines are going to be uh, built. And uh, we have these two facilities over in, in um, around Point Tupper there. So what are, what are your members and people in the area saying? Are they, um, I mean, the projects have been approved. Is it? 
have people accepted it as a foregone conclusion that things are uh, going ahead or is there some um, plan to try and change the the scope or stop the projects where do things stand now honestly our members are are mostly unaware of the project and because it's over in cape breton and it's on land not not a lot of marine impacts were expected. Um, the the environmental assessment didn't include the marine environment. It, it just you know it it didn't have any uh, information about where this renewable energy was coming from. So the community at large is is really uh, in the dark about things. They see what they read in the newspaper, but unless you go on to the environmental assessment the provincial website, you wouldn't see that the Ecology Action Center has concerns about this project. You wouldn't see that the Godsborough County Insure has concerns about this project. And so I think that that more awareness needs to be to be made uh, around these these projects. And um, perhaps the, the the media and the news um, outlets could could pick up on um, community uh, stories mm. that might help. There was a very uh, quick uh, uh, consultation process, 30 days, and then very quickly after the project was approved. And uh, as you suggested in your uh, submissions, a lot of the th- a lot of the risks weren't taken into account. Is there any talk uh, in your area about trying to get a federal environmental assessment with a larger scope um, uh, assessment of the cumulative effects, all the effects considered together. Uh, any discussion about that? I think that's a great um, a great idea. I think um, I think we will be talking to the feds about that. Uh, I'm not the province doesn't seem to be answering phone uh, on this this project, but uh, I hope we get some more um, government uh, you know, criticism about this uh, project, I guess, um, because really the this association is a not-for-profit organization. Um, we don't have a, a personnel dedicated to environmental assessments. We're a commercial fishing association, right? So, and at the same time during this 30-day 30, 30 timeline of this assessment, there was a 30-day timeline going on at the same time of another uh, wind project that was in Gosford County that I was also trying to focus on. So there's a lot of things going on here that um, we, we kind of need the, the staffing and the, uh, the time to dedicate to these projects because they are new and they are require a lot of, of environmental consideration. Mm. Uh, how many uh, people are, are involved in the fishing industry there? I mean, one of the things that is always said in defense of these projects are the jobs, jobs, jobs. But how many people are directly involved in in fishing and in uh, in processing? We we have thousands of um, county uh, associated with the fishing industry. Um, basically, every household either has uh, a fishing license, or you you're a crew member on this boat, or you go fishing in that that season for this, or it's. Fishing is the whole community. Um, it, it makes up the whole economy in this area. Melinda Cole, marine researcher for the Guysborough County Inshore Fishermen's Association.
And that's it for the program. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And introducing our new website, Mi'kmaqMatters.com. Mi'kmaq Matters is brought to you by producer Allison Baker, correspondent Greg James, and researcher Hilary McGinnis. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm Sonogamah.